Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guests are Josh Allen and Nancy Breinig. Josh is the owner, and Nancy is the culture and development manager at Companion Baking Company, a manufacturer of specialty breads and sweets, I got some, by the way, that they brought to me with two signature cafes located in St. Louis, Missouri. Hello, you two. Thanks for having us. I'm excited. And and the, what, the excitement here is, and this was pre-COVID, <laughs> I believe, when we had our uh, a woman's event and a number of people from Companion came to our women's event. Yeah, there was 13 of us that came. It was really terrific. And what was shared with me, so I was there with uh, one of our past speakers, Teresa Carrington, and then um, Heidi Glaus, who, you know, is a St. Louis icon at this point. And we got to learn that the TED Talks are part of your culture, are part of what you guys do to create the culture at Companion. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we do a lot of development internally with the team, and uh, we find TEDs that really speak to what people are working on in their development and in their career path. And uh, when we had the local TED um, pre-COVID, there was uh, 13 of us gals that went, and uh, it was really terrific. And the next day, we saw you ladies um, in for lunch and one of the gals came running out onto the production floor and said, oh my God, Mish is in the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. I mean, because, you know, we I don't always know the stories that happen after we do one of these events. And it's just, it would, it just, it brought great joy when you guys were like, hello, we were at your event. We loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like one of those amazing dream come true. You know, like people actually telling you how they felt about things. Yeah, we're so excited. And it was really great for everyone who went because everybody took something different from the event. And it was, you know, it was really powerful for everybody there. So it was it was just so terrific, and not to just be watching a video, but to see it live, and um, and then we were able to talk about it, and and it really helped them with their development and see what they could do um, with their careers as well. It's interesting you say that because I have um, I've noticed, like you know, at the end of our at the end of our events, we send out a survey to those that attended to ask them, you know, what you think. Do you like, not like, what can we do better, that kind of thing. And it's interesting how I may think, oh, that's the that's the talk. That's the talk everyone's going to, you know, rave about. But no, it is really, I mean, people have their own favorite talks. So there's something magical about the people you put on stage where the experience of the audience is really different according to where they're coming from, what they're interested in, Right. And what I love about this story, too, because I did not have any clue, Josh, at the time when I was there having lunch, you know, after the event, that you would one day be on our stage. I, I didn't either. Okay, this is a great story, right? So yeah, I mean, you, I think it's certainly something that I always thought about. I mean, I've watched TED Talks forever, and Nancy and I share them with one another all the time, and other folks in leadership, we share them back and forth. So certainly the the idea of it has always been incredibly frightening and appealing at the same time. <laughs> um, and so, 
and it was it wasn't a year later or two years later that that we talked again, or maybe we talked. Maybe I did the podcast, and then you, you, you recommended I do me. something. Yeah, you had reached out to me actually because you were asked to be a speaker, and you and they had said, "Hey, you need to do you know like a TED type talk." So you were like, "Hey, can you help me create this <laughs> TED type talk?" Which turned into you need to do a video. But then I had you on the podcast, and when I had you on the podcast, I was like, this is interesting. This is a very interesting human being that I want to know more about. And then that's when I, I let our team know. I said, we need to talk to Josh Allen. He's, he's got an interesting story that I think would be good for the stage. And it, it worked out from there. Yeah, and I think it's such a great vehicle to kind of distill down an idea, right? Like, because the the video that we created ended up being for this symposium on bread that was all for you know, bakers, like a virtual conference for bakers. And so it was 25 or 26 minutes long. And it's, you know, it's details that that folks in general could care less about, but but other bakers would, would understand and appreciate. Right. And then you start to work on it as a TED Talk. And now it's, you know, trying to get it down to 10 or 11 minutes and really distilling down what's important and what's the storytelling aspect versus, you know, just more of the vocational aspect of it. And it's really, really a great exercise in the whole less is more idea, and which is very much in line with what our whole our whole thing has been about in terms of waste reduction at the bakery. And, and so it became this kind of breathing entity of what we were trying to accomplish for me, which was what was such a neat part of the experience. And it's opened up other opportunities to do some other speaking, which was something that I was kind of looking for in the later stages of my career. So I, I think it's I think it was great. It was a great the other people were terrific and the coaches and you all as leaders of TED, you know, of, of TEDx St. Louis. It's just it was really a neat organization to be a part of and a really great experience. Oh my gosh, thank you. And 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 you know, we do. We 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 pride ourselves on preparing folks for the stage. And it's and you go through it, don't you? It's a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, I mean, you know, just to speak to what Nancy said about everybody finding something different and unique, what I think is so cool is you sense the energy and the time that folks put into this. This isn't just something off the cuff. I mean, these are these are practiced and more than anything, it's the time to, to edit and, and curate what that idea that's worth sharing is yes, and how you yes, want to present that's it. That's difficult, right? And then the passion that comes with that when you do it, it's hard not to be intrigued by all of them. I mean, to your point, they, everybody was terrific in their own way. And um, it was really, it was, the whole evening was terrific. And obviously it's hard, the couple before you, you're a little nervous, so you're not really paying much attention <laughs> to, but I got to sit in the audience for the first half of the show because I was in the second half and it was just, um, it was it was really neat to see. So have has everybody watched his talk? Oh, yeah, we were there live. Uh, there was a group of us. Uh, the whole leadership team was there. And then <clears throat> when it came out, we sent it out to everyone that we knew and uh, shared it with the whole team. And uh, it's really terrific. Was that fun? It yeah. had to be fun, right? It was, well, it was really fun, but I mean, it was a really proud moment for all of us, you know, because <clears throat> we've lived the whole the whole process. So um, it's really great. And it's really great to see all of it come to fruition. Absolutely. And that process, and, you know, and I don't want to, you know, people should certainly listen to the talk, but that process, I mean, 
It. How many years did it take you guys to go from what was a million and a half tons down to half a ton of waste? Million and a half pounds to, pa- down to tons. Yeah. I meant pounds. No, no. Oh my gosh, million and a half tons. My gosh. We started really. I think you know the the impetus was the bank kind of coming to us and telling us to get our act together, and it was sort of it was sort of the financial challenges of scaling up the business and and kind of reaching that point. But that really came to fruition in the end of 2017, early 2018. And we we hit our best number in February of 2021, I think, is when we got when we got it down below when we had when we had reduced by a million pounds. So um, you know, it took three years to do that, and and there's been some hiccups throughout COVID as we've you know hiring a lot of new staff and and things are changing um, and the business is changing and we've got to stay focused on it. But you know, it's it's become kind of a rallying cry to a certain degree. I mean, it's really a it's an easy thing to talk about because everybody appreciates waste reduction. It's right. hard not to get folks excited about it. I mean, sometimes dealing with, um, in a manufacturing environment, it isn't as if every financial metric is of interest to everybody and, and not everybody's that particularly engaged or encouraged to to put more money in the owner's pocket or reduce gross margin or reduce labor costs or something. But when you say, look, we're going to reduce our trash and, you know, the goal is a million pounds and we're going to see if we can drive it down to zero trash to landfill or, you know, which is our next goal, you know, everybody's engaged in that. Everybody sees the value in that, whether they come at it from an environmental standpoint or a sustainability standpoint or just a, that's too much work, why don't we not do as much work, whatever they, 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 people bring different perspectives to it, but it's a rallying cry that everybody gets behind. And it becomes really easy to talk about, which is what's so nice. And everybody has ideas. And, you know, we always say we, we get together to talk about, we do a trash talk every month where we talk, here's the pounds from the, from the month before. (laughs) And, um, you know, we always say, we don't want to be the kind of company where you go home and you tell your spouse, boy, if I own this business, (laughs) I can't believe we're doing this every day. I can't believe we throw this away. I can't believe this process is set up, you know, share that with us. And, and I think that engagement and that encouragement has been really positive for folks, positive for folks and, and they've done it and, and certainly some more than others, but, but in general, it's something that it's, you're pointing it out in a way that isn't calling fault or finding fault with other people. You're just saying, look, this this particular process creates a lot of waste. Isn't there something we could do differently? Um, and it's been a whole series of little micro innovations. Like it's not, I mean, there's been a couple big things, but in general, it's been a lot of little ideas that have had a huge impact on that number. And that says a lot. So what Nancy does for the culture, that says a lot about your culture that you know, we're open. Tell us your ideas. Let's talk about it. Don't don't keep it to yourself or feel like you need to keep it to yourself. You can come to us and say, hey, I've got an idea or I think this might be better. Or, can we do something about? So, so Nancy, talk about how you, your role and what you do and how you've, um, I mean, obviously it's made an amazing impact on all the people that get to work there, right? And what the business has done. I talk a lot, <laughs> and I mean that's I I really I talk a lot, and and folks talk a lot, and that's really it's all about the connection, and we're transparent, and we talk a whole lot about transparency, and that's super important. We don't have secrets, and <clears throat> whatever we're doing, we talk about it, and. We want to have that open communication, the open dialogue about where we're going, where we're headed, and just know that it's safe to talk about 
or whatever it is that we need to talk about. And some conversations may be uncomfortable, but that's okay. We can have an uncomfortable conversation, come to resolution, move forward, and keep on making bread. And and just be in a safe place, in a safe environment, and but just always be transparent with each other. And that's the biggest piece is just having that clear, open dialogue with each other. And, you know, maybe you're not comfortable talking with this person. You can talk with another person. But everybody knows, you know, like we're all available. And we really believe in open door policy. And we believe that you can come to anybody. And if you're not comfortable talking to someone, you can tell your peer because your peer will come and let me know. Right. And and we'll address it in the moment. And whatever whatever is happening we'll address it and 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 they understand that so you know and they've seen that you know like the trash is a prime example and that whatever you focus on you fix right and so you know we've focused on the trash and we've made huge improvements so you know you can you can focus on anything and nothing's insurmountable. And it's just all about have, having that conversation and and being connected. And and it being safe, you know, transparent, as you said. But also, I, I love that. Doesn't it, doesn't it also help people to think about the ideas, like think, like think through what's going on so that they maybe see things that they would not normally see, but now they know, oh, they want me to be on top of it and maybe see a place where something could be changed that would be beneficial to everyone. Oh, I mean, certainly. I mean, look, we're, we're a, we would call ourselves semi-automated in the sense that we use automation in all of the stages, but we don't have conveyors running around the bakery, so we don't just turn on a machine and bread comes out the other end, but we mix dough, and then we make a decision as a group of bakers, when is that dough ready to shape, and then when is it ready to go in the oven? But there are machines at various parts, so there are parts of your day where you're standing catching bread and putting it on a pan, or catching bread in a bag and putting it in a tray or whatever, but we, we really want to encourage in the conversation and in, in, in the in the talk about the bigger picture, that while you're doing those things, you're thinking about ways to make it better, right? I mean, you could just come in and catch bread and put it on a pan. Right. And look, in the end, we need to get that work done. Right. But we also want to encourage, is there a more efficient way to do it? Could we do it with one less person because we could do the setup differently? Could we do it with less waste because we could capture this flour in a tray and, and be able to reuse it? Whatever those... Whatever things are, we want folks to give some thought to that process and not just do it absent-mindedly. Right. Um, because in the end, we're trying to teach people how to bake bread, and and you know, our it, we would we would be remiss if somebody left our place and couldn't make a loaf of bread, you know, on their own after their experience there. And but it's easy to just stick people at the end of a machine, well, right? And and especially with turnover in the pandemic, you know, it, it takes extra energy to make sure that we're we're training and engaging and talking about it. But like Nancy pointed out, I mean, we we believe strongly that what gets measured gets managed. And so if Josh every day is talking about the trash, then that's going <laughs> to filter down because then supervision is talking about the trash, and then folks on the floor are talking about the trash, and Nancy, when she connects with everybody, is talking about the trash, and it kind of becomes this really pervasive idea and we figure out ways to do it better. And if we never talked about it, maybe nobody would pay any attention to it. But, right. but we have to, and you got to keep, um, you know, it's that kind of gentle 
pressure um, that you've just got to keep having on things and kind of keep reminding folks, hey, okay, but waste is also a big important component. Last month, this is where the numbers were. They were higher than we would we thought they should have been or they were terrific. Let's celebrate that. But we just have to keep reminding ourselves and make sure that we keep talking about it. So with the pandemic, I mean, you know, you guys have had the challenge, right? And and um, not only with staff, I'm as you've talked about, but the price of food right now is, whew, I mean, that has got to be affecting restaurant business and such. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's affecting everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's been a challenge to go grocery shopping lately, I can tell you. It's like, wow. But it's affecting everybody. So, yes, I get, you know, it's, we all just have to get through it. I'm ready for it to be over, but who knows when it's going to over these prices, right? Yeah, and it's not now. It's not obviously just pandemic related. I mean, you know, the the war in Ukraine is a big piece yeah. of it because Russia exported a ton of wheat. And if Europe's not buying Russian wheat or China's not buying Russian wheat, then the demand for American wheat is higher. So it affects commodity pricing. If wheat goes up, then corn and soy goes up because it's animal feed. And I mean, it's, it's all interconnected with the whole geopolitical thing. So, you know, we have the perfect storm right now of all of this stuff happening. Right. And then you have the continued supply chain issues as they relate to labor and availability. So you can't get products. So that drives the price up. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a part of it. I think, I think those of us, knock on wood, that have been able to survive through the pandemic have learned a ton. You know, I, I mean, bet. I bet. I mean, and you've been, you know, resilient and Oh, you guys look really calm, so I'm thinking you've done <laughs> But I get it. There's times you're like, I'm not so calm, actually, Miss. Um, okay, I have some fun questions for you guys. You ready? Yeah, yeah. we'll start with Nancy. Okay. Oh, we're going to start with Nancy. <laughs> well, because, all right, so Nancy, I, so I kind of stalk everybody a little bit. Um, I noticed you went to a French Culinary Institute. Yeah. And I also noticed that you at one point worked at a some with gluten free. I did. Mm-hmm. Is are you guys going to have gluten free bread? No. No. <laughs> no. We're never going to have gluten free. Um, there's so much flour over there. Uh, we could never make anything gluten free. And I went to the French Culinary uh, in Manhattan. Well, talk talk and, about that. I want to know more. Um, well, it was a terrific school. Um, and uh, I learned classic French um, cuisine and French baking. And uh, it was a great experience. And everybody spoke French, and it was super fun. <laughs> Did you speak, and do you speak French? I do speak French. Oh, my gosh, how um, cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was, a, it was a really terrific experience, and it was a great school. And uh, I chefed out in New York for a while, and then um, and I wound up in the Midwest when I met my husband. So... So and there you how have did it. you get to Companion? Um, the bakery that I was working at, the gluten-free bakery, was being sold, and um, and someone gave my resume to uh, to Josh. And, well, the owner and, called me, who I knew, yeah. and said you would be an idiot not to hire <laughs> this person. I said I'm not an idiot. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love so Nancy, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Nancy came on board as our production manager. So for I don't know how many years did you run production before? Like three. Like three years she ran production, mm-hmm. and then really kind of about the same time that this whole trash thing was kind of, as we started to really recognize that the people were going to be the answer, um, we kind of transitioned her into a role um, really about the whole culture, oh, the whole companion experience. I mean, I look at her as from the interview to the day you retire, you know, Nancy is sort of that that guiding light. She's sort of the 
Jedi master of that whole experience. And, um, and that's what that role became. And it's been, I, we wouldn't have gotten through the last couple of years without, without Nancy and, and just her focus on the people because we had enough bread to make and enough other things that we were trying to focus on um, that we really needed to make sure that somebody was taking a step back and looking at the organization differently. It's been a, it's been a real, it's been a joy, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> I Thanks, love your Mom. culture. I'm going to come hang out with you guys. All right. Um, I hope you do. You should come and spend a day with us. I would, I would that really would be enjoy so that. so interesting because, I, I mean, you know, it's always fun to get behind the scenes, right? It's why I do... You know what I do with the with the Facebook Live. It's like kind of behind the scenes with the podcast. Oh, I'm screwed up again. She has to do it again. That woman cannot do this right. Yeah, you know. But um, I would love to. Yeah. Well, come and spend a day. Okay, that'd be, be fun. Super fun. I'm gonna be making bread. Right on. Um, all right, you guys do your TED and TED. You watch TED and TEDx talks as as uh, a team. Is I'm gonna ask Josh. Is other than your talk. Do you have a favorite talk or do you have a, a like one that's coming top of mind lately? The one that my son and I watched together quite a bit was the one on procrastination. And I cannot remember who it was. It was like a comedian. Okay. Um, and there was one on procrastination, which I thought was pretty was pretty fascinating, actually. So I try to watch a couple every week. I mean, I, we get the emails with here's the recommendations. Right. And I almost never click on one of those, but it just spurs me to go back to the, to the site and look. And um, yeah, I mean, there's been... There's been some terrific ones, and and Simon Senek, if I'm pronouncing that name right, I don't. I mean, he's obviously he's been doing through the pandemic these like right. two minute at home little lessons, kind of, and they're terrific. We share those a lot. I mean, it's. I will say that that 11 to 18 minutes is sometimes more of a commitment than a lot of us are sure, ready sure. to make. So right. maybe it's not a full talk. I've obviously saw him do a number of talks, but his, those little two minute things are terrific. Daniel. Pink, I think the oh, Pink Cast yeah, yeah. is another one that I look at a lot. Yeah. That I think he has some great little insights, just kind of things to kind of slap you in the head. And and I do think that video is much easier for folks to absorb than a written article. So especially with our supervisor leadership team, it's much easier for Nancy and I to share, you know, sixty to ninety second videos. We, we I think people will engage in that much more readily than they will an article out of Forbes or the Harvard Business Review. We try those too, but I do think we get more engaged with um, with short video f- um, formatting and now that it's so easy with you know your camera and a, and a tripod right. to do it that I, I think those lessons have been great yeah and it's well and the world would agree with you because engagement always goes up on social media and anything you do when you have a video right you know the video is the thing all right this is for both of you guys so have you ever um, created a bread or a menu item that is you're just like let's not do that again that one just did not hit. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe you haven't. Oh no! Oh, yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to. We try to put them. <laughs> try to put them behind you as and quick as you we can. Yeah. Those. Okay, well, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. We can. We can go with maybe what is something that hits so well. You were just no, no. I mean, we've made. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've made some coffee cakes with coffee, which I always thought would be like this Ooh, terrific like thing. We did it, some partnerships with Caldies and and used their espresso and and just some things that you think would make sense. Just don't ever hit. So yeah. 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 I love coffee, but no, I don't want coffee. I mean, I don't like like coffee ice cream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, maybe stirred into my coffee, I would like it. But yeah, I get it. I get it. I like the idea of coffee cake though. 
Yeah, and we made some bread pudding with espresso in it that we thought was great, and and uh, so it was like yummy. Actually, it, it was really. I mean, <laughs> coffee really just brings out the flavor of chocolate. It sort yeah. of just enhances it, and I, and actually we changed the name a year later to Chocolate Mocha, and it sold really well. So we just oh, took the esp- espresso out go. of the name. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, though. I think it scares people that they're gonna get like they're some gonna, buzz at, yeah, at eight o'clock at night up. with dessert yeah. or something. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense though. So it's all in the name sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's just branding. Gotcha. Um, do you have a favorite item right now we should know about? Since we're on this topic of food. I really love Eppies. I think they're so beautiful and they're really fun to eat. What are Eppies? It's a beautiful baguette that's cut a certain way. And then... Um, I, I really like taking the pieces off and then having it with soup and dipping it into my soup, and it's really satisfying. And baguette is so delicious. I think it's really the perfect bread. Oh, nice. She's French, too. So well, that's, that's right. That's but actually, right. I feel the same way. Like, it's the hardest yeah. thing to make because it's the most simple. So it's just flour, water, and salt. and In the perfect combination. Correct. And baked at the right And everything has to hit. Everything <laughs> has to hit at the right time. It has to be shaped right. It has to be baked at the right time. It has to be scored correctly. Um, but I probably eat baguette every day. If yeah. there's anything that I would go back to every day, it would be that. Oh, yeah. That's something you can eat every day. And it's a great vehicle for soup and olive oil dipper right. and all that it's, good it's stuff. It's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, all right, so tell everybody where they can find out more about you guys. I guess the easiest place is companionbaking.com, but we have the two cafes, as you mentioned, one in Maryland Heights inside of our factory, so it's got a wonderful view into the baking it process. Does. Speaking I, of transparency. It really does. Right. It's so much fun to go there. And then the other one is in Ladue, right uh, just east of... East of Lindbergh on Clayton Road, um, down by the old Sportsman's Park or by Lester's. It's sort of right in that area. And the Ladue, if there is a Ladue business district, that would be it. Um, and so those two places. And then we have the bread at Schnooks and Deerbergs and Straubs and a lot of restaurants around town. So we're kind of everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Well, so no, it's gonna... true, though. I mean, I love it. It's, it's Companion has been around. I mean, my parents were the people that introduced me to you guys way back when. And, you know, my mom was like, their bread is the best. I mean, just that. And she used to go... I don't know if it's still there, but I just no. remember her taking me to a little place that was kind of like the back door and, and That was our bread. old factory in South City, yeah, oh, okay. on Gustine. So we did like a little early bird outlet, we called it. It was only open in the mornings. and yeah, I remember my mom doing long time ago. that. Yes. I mean, th- and they used to live down on Sydney Street. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it was like very close to them. That was one of the things we did. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in and talking about culture. And I, yeah, thanks I so mean, much for having us. I love it. I mean, I, I'm I'm sold. I want to come. Okay. I want to come spend well, a day with you and learn more about bread. I think that'd be so much fun. Well, great. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. And everyone out there, you have been listening to Mishmash Podcast. Don't forget to be kind. Oh, my gosh. That's one of the things I didn't ask you guys. Talk about kindness. This is a big part of what we do. What is something kind you both have witnessed, received, or are given lately? Well, I think that uh, I I talk about kindness a lot, actually, at work. And I think the kindest thing that you can do at work is to do your job to the best of your ability. And kindness really is 
is leaving things in a good spot for the next person. And because then you're setting them up for success and showing each other what success truly looks like. And nice. and we talk about that a whole lot. And, um, you know, it's not about giving each other a hug or anything like that because, you know, like that's not being kind at work, right? It's, it's really doing your job to the best of your ability. And that's what, what I ask people, you know, like be kind to each other, you know, like really, you know, do it to the best of your ability. I love it. That's so true. Do your job well so that you're setting everybody else for success. That's exactly true. Josh? Uh, I think as a leader, I try to do my best to catch folks doing things right. Um, I think that's, it's easy to find the things that are wrong. It's easy to go after the squeaky wheel. It's easy to do that. And I think especially for frontline supervisors and, and leadership to, to figure out how to spend part of your day just complimenting people about a job well done, even as simple as, hey, that bread looks great coming out of the oven today. I mean, yes, it's supposed to look great coming out of the oven, but it doesn't always. And right. and I think catching folks doing things right and paying compliments um, goes a long way. And it's hard. It can be awkward. It takes practice. It's not something that's easy. People think, well, maybe they're going to think I'm weird. Maybe they're going <laughs> to wonder why I'm saying it. I'm usually the guy who's yelling at them or whatever it is. But I think I think taking taking the time and the energy to to which is kindness, but it's but it's catching things catching folks doing something right. And it's and it's appropriately so, right? So it's not if somebody gives a great presentation telling them how great their haircut is today. It's 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 complimenting <laughs> right, right. them on the presentation or complimenting them on the idea or complimenting on on, you know, how how nice the end result was or something. It's it's the appropriate compliment and the appropriate catching of something right. And yeah, I love that. And you're putting your focus on it. You're putting your focus on thinking about that. Like what are my people doing right? I in it it's, You'll get more of it if you if you catch it. Yeah, right, right. exactly. Right, I love it. Thank you, guys. Oh, my gosh. My whole thing's about kindness, and here I was just like mowing over it, you know? <laughs> Woo, well, like Maybe I do need more coffee, I think. All right. Well, thank you both again for being here. I appreciate your time today. Um, and everybody, I mean, you know, check it out. They, they do their job. They do it right, and it's an amazing company. So congratulations to you both on that one. Been listening to Mishmash. Be kind out there. Love you all very much and have a great day. Bye.